John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to us, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Can you think of a time where uh, you received something that exceeded your expectations? Something that was more than you expected? I wrote that question thinking uh, that I was going to come up with an easy answer and give you an example of, of something that I received that exceeded my expectations But at full confession, when I wrote that question down and began preparation for the sermon, it was hard for me to think of something. Um, And so things began to take a different direction, and and I I hate admitting it, but because I think it indicates how how much society has impacted me and how much entitlement that I feel that I wouldn't be able to think of something that that I was given that exceeded my expectations. It showed me just how much I needed for my mind to be renewed. Maybe something, when I ask that question, maybe something pops into your head right away. But I think there's always a little bit of us, no matter how big or small the gift that we receive, that that thinks, I deserve this, even when it's a big gift. This is the way that the world talks to us. If you've watched a YouTube ad recently or watched uh, any television and you've seen a commercial, uh, they're always telling you how much you deserve that new car or how much you deserve a burrito or the new iPhone. Picture this. There are kids running around screaming. This might be similar to an advertisement that you've seen recently. There are kids running around screaming. There's a mom trying to hold it all together. Kids are making a mess all around her. She's trying to clean up the mess, but, uh, but more messes just continue to spring up all around her. The messes are like the hydra that Hercules fights. When you chop off one head, you get two more messes. The mom, she's trying to hold it together. The kids are eating all of the cookies. They're breaking all of the fine china. They're lighting fires. And then everything slows down, and in slow motion, this bedraggled mother opens this piece of candy, piece of chocolate, mysteriously healthy. She bites into it and savors it, and everything is quiet. She deserves that, right? I think if we were to see that unfold in the YouTube ad, we would say, yeah, she should take a moment for herself. It doesn't seem like a stretch for us to see a scene like that in a form of advertising or on a television show or something that we're watching. But for us, we need to think about things biblically. There are a few problems with this. I'm not going to highlight all of those, but this is not the point of the sermon, however. But the Bible is clear about several things that I've just described. First, again, not the point of the sermon, but the Bible is clear in Psalm 127 that children are a reward from the Lord. Not a problem to be solved, not a situation to be escaped. And as parents and as a parent of young kids, I'm guilty of this as anyone. 
But kids, no matter how loud they are, are a gift from God and should be treated as such. The second, and this is more what I'm aiming at with this example, is uh, that the idea that you're entitled to a small moment where you forget all of your problems and savor some chocolate. This idea just isn't biblical. I'm not saying that enjoying good things is bad. Don't hear me say that. God gives us good gifts and we should enjoy them as an expression and an understanding of there is a greater enjoyment found in him. A laborer is deserving of his wages, but who gave the laborer arms and legs? Who ensured that the laborer, that his or her heart beats the next beat and doesn't mysteriously stop? Who is ensuring that he or she is waking up in the morning to do his or her work? When we consider John chapter 1 verses 16 and 17, we find a scene not of an entitlement mentality, but of an infinite well of grace that exceeds what we should expect or even can comprehend. And the beauty of all of this, as is everything that we've seen so far in John chapter 1, is that it's all contained within the person of Jesus Christ. This text, these 18 verses at the beginning of John's gospel, are intended to elevate our understanding of the person of Jesus Christ in order to cause us to love him and desire him more. Jesus is the main character of this gospel. We learn so much in these 18 verses. And here in verse 16, we learn more incredible truth. Because to whom does the grace that verse 16 talks about, to whom does this grace belong? It belongs to those who are in Christ. Who God gave the right to be God's children through Christ. If you're in Christ, then then you are God's child. And if you're God's child, then you've received the grace upon grace out of the fullness of Christ that's described here in verse 16. So in verse 16, there are three words that I want to key on this morning. I want you to take home. And if you're circling or underlining or highlighting in your Bible, it would be a good opportunity to highlight, underline, circle these three words. The three words are this, fullness, all, and grace. And to understand what John means when he writes verses 16 and subsequently verse 17, we must have a good understanding and unpack what he means by the use of these three words. So the first word is fullness. Look at verse 16. For from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. To be clear, this is Jesus' fullness. We should consider that. That's who the fullness belongs to. But the question is, what is Jesus full of? What is he full of and why is it out of his fullness that we've received grace upon grace? Well, in order to answer that question, we have to go back up to the page to verse 14, which reads, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have all seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the fullness that, is, uh, that John references here in verse 16 comes out of verse 14, and we can't miss that because he embeds this 
verse about John the Baptist, verse 15. But verse 14 flows directly into verse 16. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth, and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This word fullness, it carries the idea, in the original language, it carries the idea of the sum total. The sum total of grace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The sum total of truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thirsty, you go fill a cup with water, take a drink. But that that cup of water that you take a drink from only represents a very small percentage of all the water on the face of the earth. What if when you woke up on, uh, in the middle of the night and you were thirsty, you had access to all of the water in the universe? And you took a drink and you had your fill and then you went back to bed. That's the idea that's contained here. All of the grace and truth in Jesus Christ, we have access to a reservoir. So when we see John use the word fullness, he doesn't just mean that Jesus is full of some grace and truth. He means that Jesus Christ, in him, all of the grace and truth that exists, exists in him. You will not find one ounce of grace outside of the person of Jesus Christ. You will not find one ounce of truth outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Because of this, any good thing that you get, you don't deserve because you're not the source of it. You are never the source. Jesus is the source of everything. And this becomes a theme in John's gospel over and over and over again. Jesus promises living water to the woman at the well. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. John chapter 4. Jesus in John chapter 6 says that he is the bread of life and whoever comes to me will or shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that in him is life and all who are his will have life and have it abundantly. In Jesus is the sum total of all grace and truth. Jesus is an infinite well of these things. One from which all who are in Christ will draw on for all of eternity. And even when all believers for all of time drink deeply to complete satisfaction from this infinite well without end, it will never be drained. This is all contained in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the Jesus Christ that if you are in Christ, you follow full of grace and truth. The second word here, though, that's important in verse 16 is the word all. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This all is the same, and we should see it as the same as verse 12, where John writes, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. These are the all who believe in the name of Jesus. These are all who in faith devote their lives to following Jesus. This all is the all to whom are given the right to become God's children through Jesus. 
Now, everyone who is in Christ has received grace upon grace. That's the end of the verse. And it comes from the source of grace, the infinite well, Jesus Christ. But what's remarkable is that a lot of people who claim to be Christians don't live that way. They don't live as if they are a part of the all. They live as though they fall outside of this all. And I think they could look several different ways. They could look a few different ways. And I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but here are two that come to mind immediately. It might look like constant frustration with life and life circumstances. Uh, When an individual is constantly frustrated with life and life circumstances, one of the common roots of that problem is comparison. They see so-and-so doing such-and-such, and they want that for themselves. They grow frustrated and discontent. And in their discontent, what they're ultimately saying is that Christ's fullness isn't for them. That they should have, or that they are entitled to something that hasn't been given to them. But Christ's fullness is for those who are in Christ. To all who are in Christ, we are all called to eat and to drink and to have life in abundance from the infinite source of these things. Another way that this might look is, or Christian might not think that he or she is part of the all described here in verse 16, is by living for himself or herself exclusively and never considering the interests of, of others and never serving Christ in that way. The grace of God frees us into good works. So Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 writes this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. But Paul doesn't end there. There is a purpose and an outworking and an outflow of this grace that we've received through faith. In verse 10 he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, created uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The grace that saved us, through faith, results in good works. It's never, they're never separated. The good works, which are acts of serving God and others, don't save us, but show that we have been saved. J.I. Packer says it like this. He says, The truth is that though we are justified by faith alone, the faith that justifies is never alone. When you and I are saved by grace through faith, it results in good works. It results in serving Christ. And others. All Christians, all Christians are called to come to Christ, the infinite source, not to hoard for themselves. If you you have access to this infinite well of grace and truth, and then you go to the infinite source and say, This is for me and me only, we are not given to hoard, but we are given in order that others might see as we pour ourselves out for one another. So the all here is, in fact, all. (laughs) It's not part of you. It's not for from his fullness. Some of us have received grace upon grace. It is for from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. For from his fullness we all who have been given the right to become children of God have received 
grace upon grace. As Christians, Buffalo City Church, if we're going to be a loving, grace-filled, truth-saturated community of faith, then we must take this all seriously. When you come in the front door on a Sunday morning, you must know that you've received from Christ's fullness and that you can pour yourself out into the lives of others without the threat of being drained. You know the source of all things, the God-man Jesus Christ. The final word here that's important for us to understand it actually appears twice at the end of the verse. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What is grace? Grace is here in this context is receiving a favored status. How do we receive a favored status? When grace comes to us, it takes us from the status of God's enemy to God's child. We are moved from an ill-favored status to a favored one. Paul gives us metaphors in the New Testament. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Or Galatians 4, 7, So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son, then an heir through God. Or Ephesians 2.19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. From the domain of darkness to Christ's kingdom, from a slave to a son, from a stranger to a member and a citizen. To receive grace is to receive a favored status. Now, you'll notice though, at the end of verse 16, we have this phrase, grace upon grace. Uh, There's been a lot of dispute over the last 2,000 years of church history about what John actually means by grace upon grace. And I think it's helpful for us just to read the text and take it on its face. Uh, The simplest meaning is, is, uh, is to be favored. The plain meaning is that this means there is grace and then even more grace. Simple. But each word grace in grace upon grace is referring to something. And that's what we get in verse 17. We get two ideas of grace given to us in verse 17. Where John writes, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Scripture, this may be contrary to something that you've heard in the past, but in Scripture, the law, the giving of the law, is grace. Now, Christians oftentimes set up this dichotomy between law and grace. Here, that's not the case. These two should not be separated. The giving of the law is grace, because if we consider our definition of grace, which is uh, given a favored status, The law did that for Israel. The law gave the Israelites a favored status. We're conditioned to think that the law is the opposite of grace, not true. And I think the reason we're conditioned to think uh, that that the law is uh, is opposite of grace is because we have a defective definition of grace. Our definition of grace is just overlooking or turning a blind eye to, to sin or wrongdoing. That's not grace. Grace is, in fact, the receiving of a favored 
status. And so when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, God gave him the law, the Ten Commandments, on, a ta- on tablets of stone. The fact that God chose to communicate requirements to the Israelites through Moses, requirements that were rooted in his own being, God's own being, is a grace because it set these people apart. No other people on the face of the earth, no other group of people on the face of the earth had the benefit of knowing what God required and what he requires. This gives the Israelites a favored status, and this is grace. The people of Israel are told by God how to be holy, how to be set apart. And how are they to be set apart by keeping the things that God requires? And so Israel received a favored status by receiving the law. They received grace by receiving the law because it gave them an understanding of the person of of God and it gave them an understanding of what he required. But John says there is a grace that is upon that grace. That Grace that is upon that grace is the coming of the one who is the source of all grace and truth, Jesus Christ. He came that we might eat, drink, and have life without end. The law set people apart as it was given to them, but at the end of the day, they didn't keep it. The Israelites didn't keep the law. The favored status that comes through Jesus Christ does infinitely more than the law ever could. It doesn't negate the law. It doesn't mean that it's not meaningful for the believer. In fact, it gives it more meaning for the believer. In Christ, the law is fulfilled. Matthew 5.17 says that Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. And so the grace that comes in Jesus Christ, the grace that is upon grace, makes it so that we don't have to keep the law to be set apart. We don't have to keep the law to earn a favored status. But in Christ, we are set apart to keep the law. We are the ones who have been given the right to be called God's children through faith in Christ. Not earned deserved or deserved, but by the grace of God. The question is, how is that possible? It's possible because Jesus Christ kept the law perfectly. Where you and I fail to keep the law, he keeps it perfectly. He covers you and I, as those who have been given the right to be called God's children, with his righteousness as a result of Christ's perfect law-keeping. And then, as an immense benefit, he gives us the strength through his Holy Spirit to keep the law, frees us from the sin that prevents us And gives us the ability. The law is not the opposite of grace. The law is grace that sets men and women apart. Not because they can keep it, but because Christ did. This is the meaning of grace upon grace. And so this grace then, this grace upon grace, has an effect. And that effect is to shatter our entitlement. Because it means that you can't be the source of your favored status with God. You can't be the source of grace and truth. You can't be the reason that you're set apart. You can't be the reason that God favors you. 
The reason God favors you, the reason God pours out His grace upon you is because of Jesus Christ. Don't buy the narrative that you're entitled to a piece of chocolate to be savored in slow motion. Because you've had a long day or a long week or it's been a tough eight months. You're not entitled to anything. But because you're in Christ, God favors you. Listen to that. Because you're in Christ, God favors you. God gives you the ability to enjoy his good gifts. That is favor. God gives you the ability to know him through his word. That is favor. God gives you the ability to love him and to love others. That is favor. God gives you the ability to find his commandments not burdensome. But they become a way in which you demonstrate love for the Lord your God. All that you have comes from the hand of God through Jesus Christ. And it's for every Christian. That all embedded there. Don't miss it. It is for every believer. Your discontent, your dissatisfaction, your frustration with life is crushed under the infinite weight of grace that is heaped upon grace. Your pursuit of self and self-interest is smothered by the grace upon grace that flows out from Jesus Christ. Friends, you don't have to be some super Christian or some professional person, Christian, to live under the waterfall of God's grace. God favors you. And in Christ, you are his child. This is a status that cannot be altered. And it is one that will produce eternal results in you. Perseverance, Christ-likeness, faith, love. Maybe you're thinking, as I close, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't really feel God's favor. The last eight months have been a train wreck. This week has been a train wreck. It doesn't really seem like God's grace is for me. You need to stop believing the lie. God's grace is for you. The Bible is clear. Do not let your feelings contradict these verses. The truth that you need to hear flows from the infinite well of truth, Jesus Christ himself. The grace that you need to be set apart flows from the infinite well of grace, Jesus Christ himself. Your position as one who has been set apart and favored by God in Jesus Christ, that position ensures that the words given to you in Romans 8.28 are true. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose.
How could, be that, how could that be true for you if God did not favor you? For from the fullness of Christ, the one who is the source of all grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace. Let's pray.